What I want to talk about today um, is some kind of an overarching idea about um, some connections I've made while making the pieces, uh, thinking about them, and a lot of thinking about them afterwards. And I feel like a lot of my work um, and my collaborative work with Kate, who's sitting in the audience here and will come up and talk for a minute, is about the in-between, ideas of what is between things. And so I'm really interested in um, space and, uh, and time and the things that are in between these things and things that are in between people and events and ideas and beliefs and in between genders as well. And you'll see that um, coming out in our work. Um, I'm interested in the things that happen or exist or a kind of a hovering or a stasis that exists in these kind of places or spaces or times. And they're often like a place of richness. If you think about um, uh, where two ocean currents meet, there, it's the in-between that's really interesting. It's not that the other places aren't interesting, but it's even more rich when you get into those places where those two things meet. Or you get into the place where um, the title, where, where this, uh, I've always been fascinated in having been in, uh, in, based in Wellington and Nelson and the beach being a part of everyday life there and you here in Auckland, you know, that zone where the tide comes in and leaves um, bits and pieces behind on the sand. I've always found that a really interesting place. And I'm interested in jet trails and airplanes and the international flights fly right over my backyard in Boise and I'm always looking up and that is uh, a big Airbus. <laughs> I have an app that tells me what's what. And when you're on an airplane going in between um, Idaho, which is what that looks like right now, out my front door or our front door in Idaho, that's the neighbor's house. Um, though I think there's more snow right now. And going in between uh, Paikakariki, um, which in a second there will be a, a slide of that, um, the, that the airplane over that vast Pacific is actually another in-between space. And I think always when you're based in two places, you're kind of always thinking about that in-between. And I won't at, at all say that, that I'm thinking about that when I make my work, but when I go back and think about my work, these thoughts come to mind. And these, I often, you know, I know much more about my work after I make it than before I make it. And I think, um, how many people are makers here? Um, make anything? You, you know, you, you make objects, knit, crochet, um, work in your shed, whatever it is you do. You know that when you're in there working, you bring to bear the things you thought about before doing that, but you don't necessarily go, oh, I'm, this is exactly what I'm doing right now. And a lot of those things happen as a dialogue during the process of making before and, and after. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of a quote, and this is not a quote I found before. It's a quote I found after, and it's often the case, and it's, a, uh, it's uh, something that uh, the philosopher uh, Gilles Deleuze said. Um, it's never the beginning or the end that is interesting. The beginning and the ends are points. What is interesting is the middle. The English zero is always in the middle. Bottlenecks are always in the middle. Being in the middle of a line is the most uncomfortable position. Um, one begins again through the middle. The French think in terms of trees too much. The tree of knowledge, points of um, aborescence, the alpha, the omega, the roots, the pinnacle. Trees are the opposite of grass. Not only does grass grow in the middle of things, but it grows in itself through the middle. 
this is the English or American problem. Um, grass has its line of flight and does not take root. We have grass in our head, not a tree. So it's that idea that we have all of this, um, this rhizomic processes in our heads and they start to make connections. And I think that I would compare the way I think about my work and my process in that way. The last few slides that you just saw um, are slides from while I was in, working in Nelson and teaching at Nelson Polytechnic. Um, and those are some works that are, I wanted just you to see them because they're precursors to the work that I'm doing more now. And they're all around 2008 to about 2010. And I moved uh, to Boise, Idaho to take up the job in ceramics in 2010. Um, the very next piece that I made after these works, and these are you know, about this big, and then real throne um, was this piece. So it was made for a show in the Souter. And it's uh, uh, made out of a full sheet of uh, MDF, but only about 900, maybe about 900 by 1200. Um, and this piece is now owned by the Art Museum in Boise as well, um, which is really great. Um, this piece was called Domestic Disturbance, and I made it right after moving to Idaho, and it's more about that in between, because I would, I, I would be sitting in my studio in, in Idaho, listening to national radio, and kind of thinking, where am I? Where are we? Where have we landed? And then you go outside, and you go, oh no, this is not New Zealand, this isn't Nelson, this is Idaho. And then the, the Christchurch earthquakes happened, and I was thinking a lot about that buckling of the land, and now Kaikoura, and you just think, of, you look at that, and you think, how can this happen? And I was thinking about myself, and the, like even the way, even walking on, on, on the new land, or the land felt like um, an uneven existence. Like you just didn't really know where your foot was gonna come down next when you're in a, in a new place. Um, after having uh, been here for so long, I emigrated to New Zealand in 1994. And then for family reasons and for that job, went back to Idaho in 2010. So it was a long time being here. After I made the white works, I vacillated to the other end of the spectrum with these really, really colorful works. And these works, I try to explore this physicality of form and the way in which objects you know, occupy space or they touch each other and conform to each other. Um, I'm really interested in this idea of soft and rounded forms. Um, I have uh, a little something I wanted to talk about here, if I can find it. Um, um, kind of a non-specific form. Um, I think Eva Zeisel talks about the S-curve, and she's a designer um, from the 20th century and talks about modernism, but she talks about the S-curve as a, a shape or a form that points um, back into itself, which I really like that idea um, a lot. I like things that are organic, they have a sense of absurdness, a sense of humor, and a sense of seriousness at the same time. Oh yeah, and here that, that idea of the S-curve is this shape that points both to itself and outside itself. And I, I'm really interested in that idea. Um, I'm interested in the formalist art object, um, these ideas of what makes something art and what makes something craft, and that space in between those two things. Um, I like to occupy that space that's a little bit uncomfortable for people. Is it art? Is it craft? Is it both? Is it neither? Um, I don't really feel like I need a definitive answer to any of those questions. I just like to kind of hover in that difficult space sometimes. Um, I use every process I am any good at. 
at any given moment. So these are uh, wheel thrown forms um, that are just sort of this shape like this, getting ready to be put together. Um, I make them on the wheel, I let them get stiff enough, and then turn them upside down, and I throw them again to thin them out and then to complete the curve. This is a 3D printed uh, object, a piece of plastic here. Um, it is about this big, and it was the basis for the mold that made the piece that's upstairs. And you're going to get to see that in a moment as well. Um, and so this form uh, was created digitally with the help of a student intern who was very good at that. And I would say, oh, make it a little thinner here, a little more narrow here. And so we, he did all the manipulation in the computer, and I had him create that form for me. We printed it out and made this mold of it. Um, that's a short little video. Can, can Play I again. ask you a question? Of course you can. I can pause this so anytime. I just wondered, yeah. when the 3D piece of plastic was printed, printed out, did he then work or did you did then have to work on it to make it very smooth? I had to do a little bit of that, but what I did is um, hot, warm plasticine in the grooves and covers. Ah. But what I would do now, because that was the first one I did, and I'm still using the molds that I made from that. Um, I also went back and kind of and sanded the molds. Let me just, oh, I lost my mouse, sorry. I went back and sanded the molds, so that was quite helpful too. Uh, but you can kind of see the plasticine that's kind of embedded in some of the, because it wasn't the most perfect. But there are printers now, because this was a couple of years ago that we made this piece. Um, there are printers now that are printing with a little bit better plastic right. and in order to do that. And it's really interesting because I had a conversation with him about, you know, um, and you'll see in a minute, I'm making a, a printer that I'm not making, I'm going to buy a printer with my award winnings uh, from an Italian company that prints wet clay. Nice. And he said, you can't make that form on that printer. Right. You could make the parts of it and then assemble them all together, but it's much faster to do it this way. So I won't make this form, but I'll do other things using that printer. How did the um, 3D printing process work for you? Was it a means to an end? It was, it was, a, it's, it's both. That's, that's a really good question. It's a means to an end, but it is also, I'm also um, incredibly interested in the in-between of the, of the hand and the machine, the human and the printer. This is just, these are just a few slides of making these works. So I just, some people want to know how I do them. Um, so there's just a few slides of, you'll see they'll come and the next piece will come on. And so, but I'm interested in this idea of what seems like an uncomfortable oxymoron, digital craft, mm -hmm. because craft is by most definitions to do with the hand. But potters have been using mechanical tools for an incredibly long time. So some people might see it as just another tool. But I, I see it as a tool, but I also see the printer um, as opening up a really new conceptual conversation about our humanity and about what it means to make something and how we make it. And I don't have any answers, but I'm interested in exploring the idea and to see where that leads to and what kind of answers or more questions probably more likely that it brings up. Because you think about when they start printing, oh, this is actually, is this the piece upstairs? This might be a three-way. But the next slide is the piece upstairs and what they had to do when they opened the box. <laughs> it's coming up in a second. Um, I don't know if I answered your question very well, but it's, a, it's an open-ended question. I'm just interested in new things to see what they mean. Technology is also a generational thing, I think. Yeah. So, like, they say that technology, what you perceive as technology, is something that really 
created at your board. If you're born into a technology, if you're born when a technology is born, that's just your life. Well, yeah, you know, you know, well, that's right. But think about, you know, like, you know, Leach would say, no, you can only use a treadle wheel because then you have this, you're doing this and you're one with this machine because you've got this leg going all the time and you're trying to make something and you're having to, and it does change how you make something. And some people would have not really been very happy with the um, electric wheel at that point. So this is a printer that I have in Boise and it's supposed to play, but it seems like it doesn't want to yet. There it goes. Um, um, these are one of the very first experimental bits of this. Um, and I, I like this imperfect, uh, this imperfect printer because uh, it shows um, a kind of messiness that happens with the hand as well. And the work that at the moment that I'm making by hand is actually far more precise and far more polished than what I can actually do with this work as well. Um, I'm just going to pause this for a second and give Kate a chance to come up here. Um, actually, I might as well start with this. This is a picture of Kate's palette and my plans for some work we made while we were on a residency at Fitirea down uh, in Poirua uh, last winter in 2015. So come up. Um, aside from the practice that I have with um, uh, the work that you see upstairs, um, if Anyone came to the Portage last year and you saw all these bright, colorful objects on the walls that look like an equation, like X's and Y's. That is collaborative work that I've made with Kate Walker, my partner, who is also an artist uh, from uh, the Wellington area. I met Kate in Wellington in the 90s. So we used to teach together at Wellington Girls. We did indeed. <laughs> And we're still in another life. In another life. And then we had a life teaching together in Nelson, and now we have a life teaching together in Boise. And we're very lucky people. So we've always influenced each other with our work. Um, and actually, Caroline had invited uh, a visiting ceramic artist to Boise and was showing her some work that we'd developed in conjunction, some ceramic work. And she said, oh, you should do a residency together. Apply for the one in Canberra. So this work that's up on the screen now, that piece was actually in the Wallace Art Awards a couple of years ago, the travelling show. Um, but uh, just examples of total experimentation. We arrived in Canberra with no idea of what we were going to do. Um, and being a painter, I don't really think about how long things take in ceramics because it's a totally different proposition. And someone picked us up and said, so have you got a plan of what you're going to do? And we said, nope. So we just went to play and to experiment with what, what, uh, what was this conversation between us going to be about. We spent a lot of time having a conversation, actually. I'm sure they thought we were just slacking off and in bed drinking coffee, which we were, but we were talking about what we were going to do that day. Um, but we explored uh, turning paintings into decals, and I was working with these kind of gender performativity kind of drawings. So we put them onto some of those ceramic pieces, and that's the one that went to the Wallace. That one. Um, and I was starting to cut out canvases. We were thinking about how paintings usually flat things that are square, and what would it be like to not have that? So we could, you know, it was a very generative residency. And we've actually had three, three iterations now of the work from that time period. So that residency was in 2013. And so then in 2014, we were invited to a, a university in Georgia to have an exhibition and be um, uh, uh, visiting artists. 
So we put this work and this show up there, which was when we really started thinking about these pieces as equations. And we were looking at um, X chromosomes, the XY variations, um, again, picking up on this idea of the in-between the binary, the this and that, the us and them. Um, a lot, and a lot of ideas about gender. So we're living in the States at the time, and the Defense of Marriage Act was being debated and struck down, same-sex marriage. And we were thinking about all those culture wars going on and um, the fence forms, the XY shapes that related to chromosomes were also um, visually echoed in this fence form, these large kind of canvases that I was working on. Um, and there was also a lot of these, uh, we were interested in border crossing. Because one of the things we talked about in our residency together was that we were crossing this border between um, uh, painting and ceramics, between art and craft, literally, and trying to um, create some kind of, I wouldn't say a mashup, but something that resulted from the collision of those two things. And there are a lot, uh, we are crossing borders ourselves because we went to Idaho without knowing if we could stay because Kate was given a five-year uh, visa, but when that ran out, it was to run out in 2015, so one year after we made the works that you're seeing here, and um, it wasn't until that, that law that Kate mentioned was struck down that meant I could sponsor her for immigration there. New Zealand is by far so much further ahead. You know, I'm immigrated on the same basis to New Zealand back in the early 90s, okay? So that gives you a, a, an interesting, uh, contrast between those two things. This was our, our generative residency space in, uh, in Fitirea. So uh, I was on this side and the painting happened over there. Can um, you talk about this little drawing? I love this little drawing Kate made. Um, well, we were still, we went there to extend the group of works we've been working on with XY chromosomes and looking at deformities and variations and the whole idea of querying the um, formalist art object. Caroline's work, as you could see from the earlier pieces, has always fascinated me by its attention to precision and abstraction. There's a really strong, minimalist, reductive feel about her work, but it's kind of a little bent and deformed at the same time. And my work's really narrative. So these pieces were combining these really formal, abstract ideas with narrative ideas. Um, and the images are all... Um, so the forms are kind of um, warped and invented. The images are all appropriated. They're not made up. Um, from everyday sporting context, and this, these are just some process images, how the images are applied, like the cut into the pieces um, with a bunch of tools. Um, some of the images are, are sourced from New Zealand, and these ones here you might recognise are from um, a, a civil right campaign going on right now in Boise, Idaho, where there's something called Add the Word. So a lot of the United States don't have same-sex marriage in the civil rights protections, in the human rights causes. They just have gender, race, da-da. Um, kind of about the idea of place and having benefited. I'm going to back up just for a second. Um, just to go back so to we that kind of image. tend to make things very complicated 
by collaborating together and trying to kind of find common ground, but also reference the places we're at when we do these collaborative works. What is about what is it about working in Parirua and Fitirea that is going to come into the works we're making together? Um, what's going on? Oh, over here. Oops talk here, <laughs> to that phone. <laughs> and and it, it, they're actually very beautiful images. And the other thing I want to talk about, in terms of the way the images happen, sometimes the forms happen and then the images are found um, to work with the images, but sometimes the forms are generated from the images as well. So I think with that, I don't remember with that rugby one, with this blue one, um, which came first, but um, I remember saying this, I think, you know, the... Uh, roller derby looking a bit like an X and so making that work with those forms at the same time. So there's a kind of give and take as well between the generation of the form and the image and how they then work together um, or sometimes not. I think those images came first and then the forms came later. Sometimes it's That's hard true. to remember. I remember true. that from, yeah. Um, we haven't talked about the flocking. Mm. all inviting this sort yeah. of touch which in art is sort of like this taboo, no. don't, don't yeah. touch, don't get too close. Yeah. I mean every year in the States there's the uh, convention of ceramic artists, potters, whatever people want to call themselves, and there's about 5,000 of them that descend on a city, it's called Ensika, and um, it's I guess the equivalent of the NZSP uh, annual conference here, and there's exhibitions that go along with that, and it's the only time that you just see gallery owners giving up, because you get 5,000 potters wandering around the galleries, they pick everything up. It's, it's a cup, you know, like no matter what it is, it's a cup. You pick it up and you look at the bottom and see the, the mark on the bottom and the signature, and that's what potters do. And so having the crafty, uh, the flocking is definitely an homage to, to craft and to kitsch, and also to the idea of the seductive nature of touch. So you, people, they really want to pet them. And it's kind of a no-no, but it's really inviting you to want to, so, yeah. There's one of Kate's um, cut canvas paintings, and this one was actually cut by hand. So oh, that's the last one I cut by hand. I'm, I'm now having this, <laughs> that took a long time, which is interesting, it's like, you know, painters often will or something off in a week or two and we think of craft as being far more laboured over. So I was labouring over these paintings and she was like tossing off these lovely forms very quickly. So um, we took this work down to Arizona and um, had a show there. That's a very bad That's slide. a terrible slide, sorry. Let's advance it. Okay. They are Amoco velvet underglazes. And fired a little too hot. No, they're cone eight. Yeah, or cone six. So about 1,200 Celsius usually. And this is another bad image of all of the ones that were made in reference to the Add the Words campaign in Idaho, like the people with handcuffs off. So they're just media images from that event. And this is our most recent collaborative exhibition at Hoiponike down in Wellington. That was just a few months ago um, in, which is the one upstairs? So, so these are the forms this Caroline one. was making. Um, no, the white one. Oh, oh, no, this is the one that was upstairs last year. That yes. one. Yeah. Oh. And then your winning award piece. Oh, none of them. Oh, none of them. None of them. Okay. No, that's a new one. Yeah, so those are different ones. Yeah. 
Well, they do, but I wonder if it's more, I, I think we've realized this, we had this conversation about the colored thing or not mm -hmm. the colored thing, and I think when they're in this piling group and looking a little more absurd, mm -hmm. they work on the green table, but when there's just the one by itself and it's quiet, it needs to be on the white. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit more? This is the last few not slides. Really, I think but, um, these, oh, that's a laser cut. Uh, it's about four meter long canvas. Uh, based on razor wire fencing. So we were sort of extending this idea of borders and divisions um, alongside ideas about gender and gender identity. So the Wellington exhibition at Toy Pernike was all focused around those ideas, the them and the us, and how we tend to divine gender as very binary, you're male or female. Um, but other ideas got mixed into it. So these paintings are embedded with, um, we're not talking about paintings today, but with little bits of collage. They're sort of like poems from the media using found collage. So the ideas go between the ceramics and the paintings in those works. Yeah, what you can't see with these are, you can actually get this really formalist view of these works, of uh, Kate's, um, from when you're when you're standing away from them, but you go up and then you're confronted with this text, whether it's from migrations of people from Syria trying to get to Greece or um, the latest uh, news about what it might mean to be queer somewhere. Yeah, especially with the, the gender wars in the bathrooms of the United States at the moment. There's some really intense ones. So, they <laughs> sanitary wear. Yeah. For me, they also, because they're so bodily, they represent something really vulnerable. And um, I have this lovely photo of Eve Armstrong picking one up and holding it like it's one of her little babies, because she has small children. And she just picks it up and holds it like this. And I'm, I was really happy for her to, to see her do that, because when I'm working on them, the way I keep them from breaking them is to put them against curves of my own body, you know, around my leg or um, on my chest or something like that, because that supports them while I'm doing that. Um, and I make them with this, um, this soft white glaze, because it's also that smooth kind of feeling of a glaze that you want to touch on your cheek. So I'm really interested in the interaction of ceramic object to the body. If you think about it, there aren't that many objects and materials that we put to our lips, right? Okay, we do that with glass, and we do it with ceramics all the time with a cup. Hmm? We wouldn't, there's not a lot we would put up to our mouth, but it is a material that we already associate with the body. Do you know the Australian artist Patricia Piccinini? Oh yes, I love her work. Yeah, there was an ex I, when you described Eve holding these, it reminds me of the photographs you said oh. taken of her works that make them look really weird and disturbing once they're put into Oh, they, yeah. There was an exhibition of her work in Wellington. Really, I remember the City Gallery. How long ago was that? We were teaching. And I was just blown away by that exhibition. Yeah. This is a different one. This is a fiber. <laughs> but yeah, that connection to the body being really important to me. Um, and then this is just a little experiment that's just starting. Um, this one's called Slump. So the other is clinch, this one's slump. And it's, I'm just trying to think about the gestures of the body and what kind of things I might do with work that are representing this. Um, this last bit of work is a, a fairly newish, even though a gen the generative part of these works started in 
uh, in Canberra at that residency back in 2013, and they're called Aftermath. So it's a series of kind of disaster works, essentially, um, and they're really fun to make. Um, a lot of these bits and pieces, some are made in molds, and some are just um, made by the scraps that are generated by the process of slip casting. I think what is really interesting about that last one, Caroline, is that it's like some sort of domestic we are centerpiece for your table to kind of make you feel jolly while you eat, but it's a disaster scene. I quite it, like that. It is a total, <laughs> a total disaster scene. So, but all of the the the, the foliage, 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 foliage. Foliage. Thank you. Um, the, are made by going around my garden because I'm an avid gardener um, and, and picking up things and dipping that into the slip and then firing out the organic material um, and so and forming them into these, um, these scenarios. And they're really little. They're only about this big. Is it the same glaze? It's got the same glaze. It's salt white. Chris Daly salt white. I can, uh, if anybody's a potter, they can send them the recipe. And that's us. Thank you. Thank you.